Give us any chance, we'll take it. Read us any rule, we'll break it. We're gonna make our dreams come true. Welcome to Nathanet, a podcast about 18 in a row, and this is Fernandes and... I am Christopher Wardena, Ricola! Ricola! And we're about to talk about Ski Show, written by Judy Pioli and Mark Sakin and directed by Tom Trubovich. This probably has effects about Judy and Mark coming up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Tom Tom continues to be elusive. He is more elusive than Martin Sheen yep. in the Mass Effect games. That's a that's a little that's oh, that's yeah. a nerd joke for everybody. <laughs> if you dig, you will find him. Here's what the episode's about. Sick of the LA singles scene, Laverne surely at a loss as to what to do with their upcoming three-day weekend. Then Rhonda bursts in to tell them about the Happy Valley Ski Lodge, and the girls get a new idea. Thanks to Rhonda's free passes, they decide to head out on a singles weekend on the slopes. While Laverne's a natural on skis, Shirley is terrible at shushing and interferes with Laverne's plans to spend hours in the lodge making out over Coco. While they're hoping to attract some handsome fellows and gain the attention of one of their ski instructors, what they actually do is attract trouble in the form of a sticky chairlift. Will girls freeze to death, or will they be rescued in time? What do you think of this one? Didn't we cover this like a few episodes ago? It had something to do with fur. Jeff Goldblum was in it. <laughs> this is a solid mid-leveler for me, but it's like Laverne Shirley as Bam. It's like Laverne Shirley has cheese with. Yeah. It's concentrated Laverne and Shirley, busted down to its simplest elements, but it's also busted down to its most processed elements. Mm-hmm. It's like a, a bologna and cheese Laverne and Shirley sandwich. Yeah, that's accurate. The uh, I What's funny also about coming back to this episode and the thoughts about it is uh, I watched this very early in one of the very, very yes. early watch-alongs. Yes. God, almost three years ago now. And yeah. it, I think probably three years by the time this episode goes live, actually. Yeah. I oh remember disliking it then and seeing like, oh, God, this is a sign of the future. And even like I hated Rhonda in this episode initially. Oh. And now that I understand, you know, where it's all coming from. But it's like when you're coming off of Look Before You Leap and the dance studio and, um, you know, uh, uh, Shirley's operation and all yeah. that sort of stuff. It, it becomes very difficult to look at this as the same show. It feels like such a weird monster in comparison because, you know, when you're either in really, inve- as you're saying, like this is the cheese whiz variant. And I was yes. well stocked on the high end Gouda and Brie and uh, was a Gruyere or what have you. So, you know, it's it's yeah. it's a very um, this is a very light episode and. I'm amazed yeah. that I have as many pages of notes that I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, me too, to be honest. Uh, there's nothing absolutely. There's absolutely nothing wrong with this episode. It's fun. It's light. It's breezy. It's funny. It's a little anachronistic because Cosmo did not have uh, relationship quizzes in it yet at this point in the '60s. Mm. But there's absolutely really nothing wrong with it. It's just Laverne Shirley busted down to its most basic elements. The girls want guys. They go before him slapstick in a new lo- a different location, an exotic location. They find the guys and make out with the guys. They get caught in a death-defying situation. They survive it. There's really nothing wrong with this episode, but it's not like a must-see episode for me. No, it's not. Uh, and it, it's it's a waste of production value, if anything. The production value is really nice. This, this is some really good stuff. Yeah. Even the snow doesn't look too awful because it's obviously fake snow that they bust in and, you know, the kind of stuff that they had on, out there for survival tests. But, man, uh, it feels kind of very anachronistically 70s in the way that it talks about singles bars and um, oh, yeah. going to singles weekends up on the slopes in that way. Uh, I don't know if any folks who were dating 
uh, during this period can confirm or deny this for us. But it feels like very much like a situation that was chopped out of the 70s and sewn uh, into this sitcom, the set in right in the middle of the 60s mm-hmm. for me. This is my little dumb opinion. Uh, that doesn't mean that's not charming. It's very charming. Mm-hmm. It's, it's char- a lot of charm. It's charming, but it, it but it is awkward. It, I mean, it, to be yeah. honest, a lot of that doesn't really phase me too much because it's a um, it it's at that weird spot also with the way that like even the costumes and outfits look and everything. It's like a little bit of that late seventies disco fashion, like the <clears throat> the bright colors. But at the same time, like when you watch, you know, 60s exploitation movies, you occasionally find, you know, characters up going up skiing and it's not the rugged mountaineer sort of look. It's like, no, it's bright colors and stuff. It makes it super visible on yeah. the slopes, which is great in case, you know, some, yeah. Yeah. someone gets stuck, say on a chairlift. Yeah, uh, it's really pretty. The costumes are really pretty. Of course, they would be easy to find should they be going to look for them. Yep. And and not to mention, we also have uh, we even have Booba Kitty all dressed up, which is very cute. Oh, yeah, that's adorable. It's adorable. Him, him, him or her in their little hat. Yes. So cute. So precious. I love that Shirley has been bringing Booba Kitty around with her everywhere. Though I think this is part of her season 7 flanderization where she feels like more childlike. Especially when Shirley doesn't seem to know about the basic facts of life Ms. sex. Yeah. It's like, do you want to give yeah. me those nightmares? And that's my note is, wait a minute. Does this mean Shirley yeah. has sex nightmares? And like... Does, yeah. she, does she not know how a yeah. vagina works? I know. It's odd. It's very odd because we have seen her being more sexually open with Carmine this season. So, like, on one end, you know, it's funny and it kind of makes sense and it kind of bolsters my headcanon that she's asexual hmm. to a degree. But on the other hand, we've seen some, you know, she could be someone on the ace spectrum and still want to make out with Carmine that much and yeah. do other things with Carmine that much as she, she seems to be enjoying. So we won't, we won't go there and say, well, she can't do this, can't do that. But um, she's not that childlike. She has been a nursing student. Mm-hmm. She seems to know basic things about her menstrual cycle, basic things about sex, basic things about how to J6012 Carmine. Yep. Via <laughs> her diary. So that was like a weird, what the heck is going on thing. Uh, if Laverne has been flanderized into a super horny woman who will buff, literally a man who comes to her door and calls her Ginger Rogers. The Shirley has kind of been flanderized over, like, I'd say the past couple of episodes, really been noticeable, mm-hmm. uh, into a woman who uh, does not know what sex is and is frightened of what sex is and carries a stuffed cat with her everywhere. <sighs> like, which, then, like, which then also is the, the weird contrast of that and kind of the uncomfortable contrast of that made even more noticeable by the fact that they try to spice up the opening of the episode to give it sex position by having them undress for bed as a way of adding something going on while they're uh you know the pope in the pool of the scene yeah if this is them yeah. undressing for bed yeah 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 penny is very noticeably uh very naked <laughs> in this in this part portion of season seven it's very noticeable and especially noticeable uh in uh Helmet weekend where out of blue uh laverne basically goes to uh uh, a retirement party dressed like Kelly Bundy. It's, there's no reason for her to be doing any of this other than she has a nice body to look at. Yeah. It's very much searching for that Charlie's Angels demographic that either was never watching the show or abandoned the show. Yep. So it's just like, yes. So then we have the whole so. conceit of, you know, this idea that they're going to, they want to do something real, get involved in something yes. realistic, you know, an actual thing. Have fun. Have fun over the three day weekend. This is basically what they're looking for. Right. And they're looking for, you know, how do we become Eleanor Roosevelt in a singles bar or no, sorry. How do we do 
as well as Eleanor Roosevelt or Elizabeth Taylor or Grace Kelly, you know, how do you become this well-beloved woman that has all these people that, you know, vie for her attention and, and have an interest in them? And, you know, then Rhonda gives them the, the tip by, you know, coming up with the, uh, you know, comes up to their bedroom, that is, with the, uh, the jacket and showing off all the, uh, the, the, the lift tickets on there. So it, it works really well. It's a nice, really cute scene. And then it gives them this idea of like, OK, we'll go to do this. And again, it comes back to like Let the Fur Fly and some of these other shows that we've or other episodes we've covered where it's like, we're going to go do a thing so we can get guys. And that is the entire plot of the goddamn episode. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I gotta admit that now this could be worse. And it is fun. It is fun. But yeah, the very 70s year place of mine feeling to the conversation uh, between uh, Shirley and Laverne uh, by the single scene. What two words are they were those guys saying to Laverne? Wanna fuck. Ah, yeah. That was my guess. That was my guess, too. That was my guess, too. Paying the bathroom wouldn't be the worst way they've ever spent a weekend, so they should have just done it. No wonder you're incomplete. Jesus, Laverne. Uh, all the stuff about Eleanor Roosevelt and uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, yes, that's true. They were cousins. Mm-hmm. In case you didn't, y'all didn't know that. That was uh, funny. I loved uh, Penny's uh, Eleanor Roosevelt impression. Uh, and to be real, yeah, uh, that never came up in the campaign because that was common back in that era. You could, you could marry your second cousin and it would be fine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, everything Rhonda has is good. It's very cute. I love that the girls are so horny to find out what Rhonda does and she doesn't reveal anything. It's just pianos, big pianos. There's this wonderful hen- henway. What's a henway? All about two pounds. Rhonda made a joke. Uh... Oh, so cute. She's so adorable in this episode. She's really good. Leslie's killing it this season. Leslie's oh, yeah. killing it this season. Gotta give her credit for that. Speaking of the microphone, just trying to get all the details. It's so cute. We know that Laverne is still 28 here. Shirley's still 28. We find out that the boys are indeed a year older at 29, mm-hmm. which makes sense because they were held back grade. And that puts everybody on still on the cusp of 30. For some reason, Laverne will still be 28 in season eight, even though a year has passed. Uh, well, there's no shame in having her be 29. Geez. Yeah, well, um, I mean, at, this, at that point, it's just going to be a case of, you know, the the show essentially looking at every clock and just giving it the finger. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, do we believe that Frank DeFazio is 56? No, he's 59 at the, at the youngest. Yeah. Yeah, he looks about somewhere 61, 62. Actually, hang on a second. Let me do some math here. Do, 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 do. Okay, he would have been old enough to have served in World War II if he was 56 in 1966. Okay. Makes sense. Yeah. Kind of, I think. <laughs> but yeah, no, he's, he's, yeah, he's good, but he's good. Okay, but let's also do some math here. Okay, it's two. Hang on. I'm going to I'm gonna do the old. So that means okay. he was 28 when Laverne was born. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. That works. That, that, that tracks, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I can buy that. I can absolutely buy that. At least... That makes him and Josephine being married through an arranged marriage less uh, inky. Yeah. Because at least they waited until they were adults. Speaking of Frank, though, is Phil Foster gets some hardcore applause. As you put it, a happy day's yes. applause when he comes yes. in, which I, I have yes. a little uh, yay cheering emoji uh, on my yay. notes. Yeah. Laverne Shirley actors really got that huge, giant cheer out of the audience the way every single Happy Days actor would get that. Every time they would enter and they would have to stop the scene and wait until the audience stopped. Uh, during the peak of Happy Days, Ron Howard would walk in, everybody would lose their minds. 
uh, you'd have to wait for like a good minute and a half to make them stop applauding. Henry Winkler walks in, same thing, or even longer. Every single actor would get that reaction. Uh, Laverne Shirley audiences really didn't do that. There was at least one incident of the boys getting that reaction to a hello gag. I think it was in season one. Some guy goes, yeah! When the boys walk in after Lenny has jammed his hand in the bowling ball during raspberries. Mm. It's really good. Uh, but you don't really get that huge woo. The boys would sometimes get it coming in. And sometimes you would get one for Penny and one for Cindy. But it becomes more common around season seven. And I don't know why that is. Hmm. It's interesting. Do you think they had a better hype man at, before every Possibly. every taping? Yeah. Possibly. Or somebody was going pointing to the applause sign. Um, the other thing also is, I will say, season seven, you can tell way more episodes have an, a laugh track added in post. So yeah. I, I do wonder if that is a contributing factor. Most of these feel pretty legit. Like this one is a real one. The prior episode has a real one. Uh, but there are a few that are a bit suspect yeah. to me. Yeah. But, I wouldn't be shocked. Yeah. I really wouldn't be shocked either way. Uh, how shocked are we that uh, Frank did ski on the hills in New York during the winter? With the, they got the trash cans, they got the car body, you put the, you put the lids, you put the thing, and they room, and they hold on to the bus <laughs> to go up the ski lift. It's adorable. I can picture that. I can picture him doing that, being that kind of da- that brand of daring <laughs> after having, you know, uh, well, especially yeah, especially with that kid, yeah, yeah, <laughs> with Laverne uh, as a daughter. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, his daring side has come out uh, by his daughter. Yep. Let's put it that way. It's really sweet. I think it's really sweet. I also adore the whole reveal of him realizing he's super cute when he realizes what's going on. It's like, why do you buy me on these things? I crap your style. That's why you're still single. And he gives him the money and it's like, get you to come back with Italian fellas and you'll get married. Adorable. It's, it's great. It. I love that. I love that, that he wants to both marry Italian guys. He wants the same dream he has for Laverne for Shirley. That's so cute. That's his, It's his daughter now. Yeah. I was going to say, she's officially become his daughter in more ways than one. And that is sweet as hell. Mm-hmm. I love that he, I love a line about how, how French should have been in communications. Yeah, they, they, they he was wasted as a fry cook in, in, yeah. in the war. Yeah. Uh, then yeah. we cue some yeah, B-roll, and now another meh episode ensues. Girls pret- pretzeling and lying. and Yeah. Hey. Yeah, like it could be worse. It could be worse. It's okay. Um, I love that Laverne is both bad and good on her skis. She eats French frying when she's supposed to pizza. If you've ever watched um, South Park, you will laugh at this joke. But yeah, yes. she's she's failing to French fry when she needs a French fry. Yeah, my, my mother explained the bit of a bit of the skiing stuff to me while watching this. Because my mother skied. Her family Aww. did a lot of skiing. My uh, her brother Tim, who was the the golden child of the family. Uh, uh-huh. was uh, given uh, given the kind of the push of like, hey, you should compete. You should do this. You should do that. And of course, mother was ignored. So I try not to bring up too much of that stuff. But yeah, she uh, but she remembers that. And she like when they get to the tea bar, she hated doing those two. And oh, uh, but yeah, she should ski. She should go back out there. Uh, t- can't too many t- physical health issues. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, but okay. so, yes. yeah, go. I mean, I was just going to jump into, you know, surely wanting to conquer the mountain and then being yeah. all tan- tantrumy and everything. Yeah. Yeah. But at one point we have Shirley being her absolutely active Annie best trying to get up and get out of there. On the other hand, she's very uh, weepy and clingy and flannelized here where she's like literally childish and clinging to Laverne, refusing to let her go off on her own. This back when she was worried about Laverne's monophobia, like less than two seasons ago. Yeah. yeah. All of a sudden she's sitting there trying to keep her friend nailed to her side at all costs. It's like, what the heck? 
dude. And also, you know what? It's boring. It's boring. Like, it bores me. It bores I me. I don't like it. It's dull. I wouldn't even say it's dull. I would say it's not creative or interesting enough to uh, when you when you have a theme like this. You could have one girl in the ski lodge discovering that, that that's not all it is cracked up to be. And, you know, the other girl could be on the slopes trying to ski and conquer and just ignoring guys. And then she ends up attracting a bunch of guys out of nowhere. Instead, they're stuck on the same mission. Mm-hmm. And it's funny and then not funny. It's just, you know, it's one of those just all right ones. The poor guy going headfirst in the snowbank. Poor Bernie Hansen right in the snowbank. Oh, gosh. And then, of course, uh, the girls end up, uh, you know, doing a lot of antics here, trying to stay upright, failing to stay upright, trying to impress the cute ski, ski instructor, failing to impress the cute ski, ski instructor. Laverne eventually lying and doing the pretzel thing, as you mentioned, trying to pretend she is a ski instructor. My note here is frenetic slapstick time. Yep. <laughs> Just physical oh, comedy. Yes. It's I mean, the physical comedy is well done and pretty elaborate, especially with the balancing yeah. the skis. It's just God, I wish this was better. Yeah, yeah. It's, it just needs like a couple of more pushes to get up the hill. It just there's a couple of more pushes that it needs. A couple more uh, tries on the T-bar. Yeah, more tries on the T-bar. Amazingly, the girls do not fall to their deaths doing that. Yeah. Amazingly, Penny and Cindy didn't get hurt doing that either. Yep. Very impressive flexibility. But uh, but hey, at least Bob gets oh, a, yeah. gets a pseudo sixty nine from Laverne. Nice. Oh God! Boom 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 boom. <laughs> Tragically, it's not like, it's not anything that could be faulted with the pants. Anyway, then of course the girls get stuck on the ski lift. Yeah, the, the chairlift specifically. Yeah. Yes, chairlift, chairlift. Yes, specifically the chairlift. Uh, and they are stuck uh, hundreds suspended hundreds of feet in the air, uh, with no food. Because Laverne ate the snacks in the parking lot. Because of course she did. And of course, <laughs> and then she ends up stealing. She tricks Shirley to steal the snacks and then eats them all. Yeah. And I just, yeah. I'm like, I don't, no, no, don't like. Yeah. See, I the part of the scene that I like is Shirley doing her narratives. Like, suppose they haven't taken their lunch break, Laverne. Suppose there's been a nuclear attack and they've evacuated the area. Yeah, the Russians often like to knock out the ski lifts first, Cheryl. <laughs> I love that that's typical Shirley Stratifizing mm-hmm. on one hand. And it would also be the great opening to an apocalyptic movie or zombie film, actually. Amazingly, yeah. Can you imagine that happening? Man, 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 man. I can actually see them trying to make a uh, movie out of that. I can actually picture that. Just people, people, I actually did, we, now I can, all I can think of is Dead Snow. Which I can think of which I hate to say I still haven't seen yet. It was uh, it came out yeah. during the my it was during the time when I had overloaded on zombies. The whole zombie craze yeah. was in full swing. Yeah, you were just done. I was done for the moment. But anyway, um, yeah, peanuts, snacks, ate while they were on the bus. Laverne's trick dissolve. The lift is stuck. Don't worry, nothing to worry about. How are we gonna get those two poor slobs down? Well, first of all, Einstein, turn off the bullhorn. <sighs> that was good. That was funny. That was funny. That was a funny little moment. All I could think of the entire time was that that horror movie about people get stuck on a snow a ski lift. Oh yeah, <laughs> Frozen. Yeah. Frozen. The other Frozen. Not the Disney Frozen. The other Frozen. Yeah, yeah, oh. yeah. Uh, Frozen horror film. Just double checking. Yeah, 2010. Yes, American psychological 2010, horror yes. film. Wow, there was Sean Ashmore in that. I did not know that. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Oh wow, and it's an it's an Adam Green movie. It's from the director yeah. of Hatchet. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was his, one of his earliest films, actually, I think, I do believe. 
Uh, yeah, uh, around, yeah, around yeah. there. Anyway, sorry. Go on. Go on. I was not screaming. I was testing the hills with their echo ability. <laughs> That's a good line too. That was funny too. Um, Shirley is over the top hysterical at this point. Lord, is she over the top hysterical at this point? And it's like, mm. we're telling her calm down, calm down, calm down. And of course, because we are not watching a horror movie, the girls get down and they live. Yep, which is good. And then the final <laughs> gag of the medical boys. Cheryl, did we go yeah. die and go to Sweden? Which one do you want? Oh my god. That is up there uh, with an eventual line that Lenny comes out with in season eight. Oh, look, we've died and gone to Venus. <laughs> it's, it will be funny when we get there. But the girls get what they want. They get to make out with some guys in the snow. Yep. And then we get a tag scene that is funny and yet ridiculous because Frank is going to take N out snorkeling in a wetsuit as if he's diving like a frog man. And Laverne is in the living room plucking her eyebrows for reasons I do not understand. Ow. Ow. <laughs> Ow. 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 Uh. Phantom Edna. And then Frank is still happy off screen. Mm-hmm. So we'll take that when we can get it. Uh, right off my note here is cuties. Aww. And then followed by... And, and then Frank and Edna simply drowned. But they didn't. So, oh, but, but uh, you know, at least they'll win the walrus lookalike contest. Yeah, they will. That's a cute bit. Uh, th- there is some cute sprinkled on in here. There really is some cute sprinkled on in here. It's really enjoyable. Yep. So anyway, uh, yeah, I'm all out of notes. I'm, I I feel like this is this is about as much attention as I feel like giving this episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's an okay episode. It is okay. It's okay. It is not horrifying. It is just kind of there. To be honest, it's kind of there. It's okay. Um, it could be worse. So I have a couple of fun notes for behind the camera, in front of the camera uh, on this. I should say in front of the camera. The behind the camera is pretty typical. This is, it's it's Sotkin and Askins, or Sotkins and Pioli as credited, but uh, Judy uh, remarried in the 90s, um, which I think Mark actually corrected us on, I think, on Twitter, actually. <laughs> Anyway, uh, Judy comes here b- uh, back again after the season's The Defiant One. She also was uh, Terry Buttafuoco in the previous episode from last week. This is the 12th of 14 episodes she has credit on for the show as a writer, with two more to go in season eight. Now, she does stick around in the writer's room as a script consultant in season eight, but her career goes on to Charles in Charge, Webster, Valerie, and first time out as a writer, but expands to include directing on Valerie, The Family Man, the Henny Penny episode of The Golden Girls, Getting By, Step by Step, and of course... A Perfect Strangers. And she was also the producer on the one season wonder Good Time Girls, Webster, supervising producer on Valerie, and a couple episodes of First Time Out. Quite a career, I must say. Now, Marcus Sontkin here returns after having actually been gone since Chorus Line. Uh, his focus at this time mostly was being a producer on the show, along with story consulting in seasons four and five. So he was in the writer's room, but probably doing a lot more of the management side. He ends up continuing sitcoms for the rest of his career with Gary Shanley Projects, It's a Living, 27 episodes credit as writer on It's a Living specifically. Golden Girls, The Sinbad Show, Platypus Man, and You Wish coming up after that. He's uh, active sometimes on Twitter these days with lots of stories about the old days and lots of opinions about stuff. Um, But yeah, then for the actors, uh, Skier 1, number one, all we know about this guy is that he was on a couple of TV episodes, Brett Maverick, Trapper John, MD, and Aftermath, and then poof, disappears. I was not able to Google for him successfully, so that didn't work out. Bob, on the other hand, uh, this is one of his first projects as an actor, he, Mr. Uh, Michael Spound. He would go on to more bit player parts for a while before landing a role on Hotel as Dave Kendall, staying in the role for 101 episodes. 
Afterward, he got his Murder, She Wrote card, a couple of spots on In the Heat of the Night, a Matlock, a Baywatch, and various TV parts through the aughts, including a Days of Our Lives part in 2007. He also was, oh. quite surprisingly, in the Gore Verbinski remake of The Ring, which is an interesting little piece of trivia. Now, Bennett, one of, and I believe Bennett is one of the uh, the medics, right, at the end? Yes, yes, he is. Uh, yes, he is. Yes. So I was unfortunately unable to get the, the information on Dirk, but Bennett, that is Sergeant Blanks from Police Academy. Kyle Blanks. He shows up in the first film and then returns for episode, sorry, movie number three, which would be his more well-known part. But for us nerds, he also pops up in Martial Law, the Cynthia Rothrock, Chris McQueen movie, as well as uh, Baywatch Nights for four episodes as two separate characters and even an episode of Arrested Development. Also, a special shout out to him for also having been in The Further Adventures of Tennessee Buck. That's cool. That's neat. That's very interesting. Anyway, so that's our behind the camera, in front yeah. of the camera notes. We're just kind of tagging it on, tacking it on at the end there. Um, yes. Yeah, I I wish I liked parts of this episode more. But yeah, like when we get to ranking like this for me is it's a four and a half. I don't want to watch yeah. it. I don't feel like watching it again. But like if someone made me, I wouldn't, you know, cry foul like the way I would with uh, what happened to the class of 56. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going higher with five. It's okay. It's okay. It's got some funny slapstick. It's got some funny um, girls-related humor. There's a little bit of Shirley Flanderization that I don't uh, keep, that I'm not keen on, but it's cute. The the Ronda scene is cute. A lot of the episode is cute. Uh, it could be worse. It's all right. It's not super necessary, but it's fun. Yeah, sounds yeah. about right. All right. Well, cool. Um, yeah, so we'll have a quick little post sample about what we're coming up next and also how to track us down on the social media. So we hope you stick around and we'll have a quick break now for a word from our sponsor. Thank you. Okay, everyone, and thank you again so much for joining us for Night After Night, this, the podcast about eight seasons in a row. And if you would like to know more about these eight seasons in a row, you can find us at Night After Night Pod on Facebook, WordPress, Tumblr, YouTube, Patreon, and wherever good podcasts may be found. But if you'd like to talk a little more in-depth or give us skiing tips, you can reach us at Night After Night PC on Twitter, where we're a little more active at the moment, although uh, we'll see how things shake out, because as we're recording this, is the same week that Elon Musk, uh, you know, had ended up officially doing the Twitter buying thing. So we'll see what type of post-apocalyptic uh, hellscape is waiting for us in 2023 when this episode goes up. And yes, Whoa. this episode's going up in 2023, not 2024, not 2025, maybe 2029 for reasons. But anyways, <laughs> moving on. Um, I am really it has been a long week, Lisa. I, I feel like we need a special kind of weekend after all of this. One involving helmets. Squiggy, slippery, and long-estranged dad Helmet comes to town. While Son and Pops get on like a house of flame, Squiggy soon learns that his dad wants to push Lenny out of Squidnowski talent agency. Which man will Squiggy pick? This is Helmet Weekend. Oh, cool. Is it a steel helmet weekend? Because I love that movie. Bang, bang, bang. We'll find out soon. Bye, y'all, and for heaven's sake, if you go on a ski weekend, do not lie about your level of expertise. There might not be handsome men to help you down off the ski lift. At least bring a cute cat with a little flask of alcohol around their neck. That way you'll be able to stay warm without dying. In short, don't freeze to death. Bye, y'all. <laughs> <laughs>